It's the 100th episode of the Heartland Pod. From the first 20 minutes solo on the mic that I did called Progress is on the Ballot to now a growing family of shows all on our feed, reaching thousands of folks from across the U.S. We've got a ton of great stuff in this show. I've got friends stopping by for a quick hello, an old friend that you've heard from a couple of times, and a new friend that I hope you're going to hear a lot more from. An opening statement on a 2022 resolution. Rachel Parker and Sean Diller are here for talking politics with me, Adam Summer, your host. It's a huge show this week, our hundredth show. So let's go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer, and I am your host for new folks joining us, only 99 episodes behind, so you might want to try 1.5 speed to catch up. Remember to follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. On Facebook, you can find us the same way. Email us anytime with heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. We love hearing from you folks with guest suggestions, thoughts on things to cover, you know, whatever. Uh, Maybe you would be an interesting guest. Well... Let us know why. Uh, For those of you who are longtime listeners, uh, yes, I sound a little bit different this week. I was a little bit under the weather last week, so uh, hopefully I am back, and hopefully that's the voice that you have come to know. Reminder, we also have our Patreon page. You can find that by going to heartlandpod.com and clicking the Patreon button or just search us on Patreon. Five bucks a month, you can support the show, unlock extra features like the Heartland News, which features written offerings from some of our hosts and guests from time to time. In fact, we're going to hear from one of those in just a minute. Little little preview there of what's to come. Uh, The Last Call is a single topic show that lets loose. It's a sort of after hours pod, if you will. Uh, More stuff that we are working on, specific merchandise, specific opportunities for some behind the scenes stuff too. So uh, we're we're continuing to move that forward. Uh, We've had a couple more folks sign up for that and we really appreciate everybody who has signed up. Uh, and we'd love for you to check it out. Uh, five bucks a month is the lowest level that goes up to 20 bucks a month or whatever you would feel led to do now that we're at, not that we expect or would ask for anything more than that. But, uh, you know, we're just looking for the support to make this thing as big as we can make it and, you know, make the show just better uh, as we get closer and closer to the midterms in 2024. Okay, this week, the 100th show. I'm so excited, guys. I'm so, so, so excited. We have... Two super quick guests. I'm going to call these drop-by howdies, okay? Most of the Midwest folks know what I'm talking about when, you know, someone that you know just kind of shows up, uh, you know, with like a loaf of banana bread, uh, but they don't really call first. Uh, You know what I'm talking about. Some of you under 30 have no clue what I'm talking about, uh, but that used to be a thing, especially before cell phones. So uh, who's here? First up, Jessica Piper. Uh, Jess Piper. That's right. She joined us for our eighth episode back in July of 2020. Number eight, the first month of episodes. Uh, And we have had her back a couple times since then. She's joined us for Talking Politics before. She's running for office now. And we are happy to have her drop by for a howdy and tell us about a little uh, little piece that she's written that's going to be on our Heartland News blog over on Patreon. It's going to be free to access. Good, nice preview of what you get over there, what the value is over there. Who else? Hartzell Gray, okay? Kansas City folks will know who this person is. Outside of Kansas City, maybe you've never heard of Hartzell. Well, 
it's time to hear about Hartzell. Hartzell is infinite. He is all in Kansas City. He is ubiquitous with all things cool in Kansas City. He has one hell of a radio voice, might I add. He is just so bright, so fun, but he has also shifted some attention to the political space, and we are super happy to have him stop by for a quick howdy as well. Before that, I do have my opening statement about Don't Give Him an Inch, a resolution for 2022. 2022 is just around the corner. A new year brings the possibility of a restart, of new promises, new goals, new outcomes. That is true in the world of politics, too. For many years, a narrative developed that folks who vote for Republicans just don't know what they're doing, that they are voting against their own interests because they don't know what their own interests are, that they don't understand it. That narrative turned into easy insults, jokes at the expense of the people, not the politicians, jokes about their real lives, jokes that became insults, insults that became fuel for hate. Now, we can see that so much of that very narrative was wrong. It wasn't folks that were voting against their own interests. It's folks who have been lied to, to their faces for years, and in such a way that the lies feel good, they feel right, which makes them feel true. Lies about who caused those manufacturing jobs to leave when the plant closed. Lies about who took over the local farms in favor of international big ag. Lies about who's taking jobs from hardworking folks. Lies about the lies, and especially lies about the people trying to tell the truth. The people telling lies have nearly reached the end of what they need to do as well, that plan. Radicalization and cultural purity allows them now to lie without creativity or cover. They have learned the cost of the lies are minimal compared to the reward. So they've upped the game. The lies grow. They become more bold. For me, my New Year's resolution will be simple. I will not let the lies stand. How I do it will be harder. I will not have judgment for the person who repeats the lie. I will not have anger for the person who believes the lie makes their family safer. I will instead channel that anger and turn it into constant and consistent action against those telling the lies. I will point out the lie. I will point out the beneficiary of the lie. I will talk about the money the lie protects, the power the lie protects and creates, and work to expose the origin of the lie itself. That may make me, this show, this group, even you as a listener, a target for hate, that may be expected, that may be a cost, because our group is growing. This show is growing. Our voice, my voice, your voice, the other host voices, we are one together with you to be a megaphone for truth, to be a megaphone for reason, to be a megaphone for facts, to be a megaphone for those willing to stand up even when that may carry risk. Let us resolve together for 2022 that we will stand shoulder to shoulder, lined up as deep as the eye can see, as one voice against the lies. History is filled with the story of one person making a difference. But history is changed by the next person who stands up and the next person after that and the one after that until those standing for good outnumber those standing for hate and lies. Let us resolve together to stand for that goal. Let us resolve to reach out our hand to the one next to us to help them stand. Let us resolve not to give them an inch in which to lie, an inch to maneuver from accountability, not an inch to let the weeds grow. Vigilance requires effort and attention 
but with enough of us. We can lean on one another for rest when we need it and for strength when required. Let us resolve one step at a time, one lie at a time, one inch at a time to continue forward progressing each day. I will stand for that goal. Will you join me? A little bit different. I've got a couple of very quick hit interviews here. I've got Hartzell Gray and I've got Jessica Piper. They're going to go boom, boom in order. Uh, a little new thing, a drop by Howdy. It's it's not a, a full chat, although I promise Hartzell's coming back for a chat, and I'm sure Jess Piper will be here for a full-length chat again soon. So uh, just something a little bit special for this episode 100. Uh, Hartzell is somebody who uh, I've been listening to his podcast since it came out, and I, th- I think Hartzell's been listening to ours for about the same time. And uh, we, we connected a while back, uh, realized we had quite a bit of mutual uh, respect for what the other person was doing, but also agreed a lot on what we were talking about. And uh, so we've connected, and, and Hartzell has helped us get onto a new platform and all kinds of other stuff. So uh, finally got a chance to get him on. I've been circling with him and trying to find a time. So Hartzell Gray, followed by Jess Piper, some drop-by howdies, uh, and then we'll get into talking politics. <laughs> we were in the neighborhood, thought we'd stop by. All right, we've got a special thing here now. This is I'm calling this a drop by howdy. Okay, these are going to be some quick hits from some friends, and this is a, an old friend in a way, but a new friend for the show. I've got Hartzell Gray, the one and only, the host of the KC Morning Show, number one uh, podcast in Kansas City. Hartzell, my man, thank you for joining me. Hey, appreciate you, my man. What do you call this? The hey hey howdies? What, what is this? Uh, it's a drop by howdy. You know, like drop any, any good Midwesterner. You know, your neighbor's drop got a loaf by of howdy. loaf of banana bread. Come by, hey neighbor. Oh, I love it. No, I love it. I'm I'm trying to think how I can steal this bit because I love it. That's excellent. So, hey, man, so uh, appreciate you dropping on. So tell the folks who don't know who you are, because, you know, if you're Casey indoctrinated, Hartzell is uh, ubiquitous. This man is in in your ear, on your eyeballs all the time. So for the non-Casey folks, what are you up to in Kansas City? What are you doing over there? Well, first off, you're you're way too kind. I appreciate you. As is Kansas City, they like they've always just been way too kind to me. I'm born and raised here first and foremost, went to school at Calvary Lutheran, 75th and Oak, you know, grew up, well, he started off Hartman Elementary, then we went to Hale Cook, then they lost accreditation, then we went to <laughs> Calvary Lutheran, uh, and then, you know, went out to Lee Summit for high school to do my coming of age in the burbs, LOL, and, um, <laughs> you know, long story short, here I am back home, but yeah, I guess, man, I wear a lot of hats, uh, so we, and we learn to stack up, that's my right. new normal, we, uh, we don't spread out the, on the plate, we just stack more on top of the plate. And yeah. so I guess where do I start? The hype man MC for sporting Kansas City. Yes. Um, go sporting. It's a really exciting Big time. Playoff game, sporting. Yeah. Just happened. A well, very... it'll have happened right before this comes out. So oh my gosh, you're good. right. <laughs> we were we need to talk the good vibes into existence. Then we need to manifest this win into existence. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, it's been a really good run. Yeah, I've been there since 2014. I can't believe it. I was doing a staff appreciation thing. We do it every year. Sporting's really awesome with stuff like that and it was like recognizing the five years and the 10 years and i'm the one that's giving out the pins and i was like oh oh shit wait a minute i i could be giving myself one of these pins like i've been here for a <laughs> long time i can't believe it just time flies 2014 it's nuts um so yeah sporting kc i'm their hype guy um host for the monarchs the kc monarchs uh yeah. the the now reigning uh and defending american association champion Casey yeah. Monarchs. That's been an excellent story. Yeah, year one with the rebrand with the museum and a very uh, cool situation going on with the Monarchs. Very cool. Yeah, the uh Brandmeyer family just excellent. Just came in there and literally, you know, 
got the key and unlocked the, the gates because you know it was it was a story and, yeah. and i know it's too soon i know it's really too soon to talk about like that old regime and how like you know the deadbolts were literally like put on to the stadium and the city all that stuff the count you know the unified government i know it's probably too soon but when that documentary comes out it's gonna be fascinating <laughs> it's gonna be absolutely fascinating and then now to see what it what's what's come from it legends yeah. field and so being a part of that was awesome so i host for them and Gotta go get my ring sized up, brother. That, yeah. that championship yeah. in year one was awesome. So yeah, Monarchs do that. Um, I'm now a part owner of Journey Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. professional wrestling in Kansas City. We had our God, we had our Thanksgiving show this past Friday, which was incredible. Did some pro wrestling in the West Bottoms. That's some Blip cool coffee. pictures coming out of that stuff. I was just incredible. My first show as an owner. And, uh, you know, cause I've been, I was just going as a fan, you know, just the last 20 months has been wild. Life comes at you so fast opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to just follow the wind sometimes. And now I'm part owner of, of a wrestling company and I love professional wrestling. It was like yeah. my first real love and passion. And so it's been an awesome now getting a chance to do color commentary and now have, have some ownership stake into it. And, um, Host the KC Morning Show, two-time best local podcast. Let's see what else do I do. Uh, ton of fun show it? too. Ton of fun show. Well, I oh, mean, you're, thanks, man. You're, Appreciate you're all it. over the place, but that's that's certainly the stuff that I you know would put on the the immediate list that we gotta have. Yeah, it's, oh it's, man, it's I appreciate that. Really fun show. Uh, you and Kitty, uh, you know, good energy, good vibes. You have recently started talking with this professor out of Wisconsin. Yeah, Harvey K. Yeah, Professor K. Tell tell us about that. How did that start? What like where did that come from? So I was just a fan. Like I've always been somebody who is a bit of a history snob. I lean very very left. And Harvey K. is someone who you know I've I've read his articles for years. You know he's like one of the foremost historians on Thomas Paine and FDR, especially from a leftist perspective, which I think is the correct perspective. And literally one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to slide in this man's DMs because mm-hmm. the morning show was, you know, my, that's my full on number one priority now, now, cause I got the same furlough conversation at the beginning of COVID like everybody else, you know, cause I think people first met me working at 96, five, the buzz. Yeah. You're radio and- man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when I got that furlough, we'll call you back when we call you back, which, by the way, I'm still waiting to maybe get called back. <laughs> uh, you know, I had to devote everything to the to the to the morning show. And so I was like, well, I need to get audio out every day of the week, you know, so how am I going to fill up some of these days? And I was like, you know what? I wonder if I could do like a history thing, you know, yeah, and so I got to yeah. find a professor. And so anyway, I just slid into Harvey K's DMs because he's one of the cool guy professors who is very vocal on Twitter. Yeah, he tweets more than I do, I think. And he, uh, he responded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good he, stuff, My too. man, and not over tweets, because there no. are over tweeters. But he, no, uh, it's good stuff. He, he does write that fine line, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> let's just, <laughs> He's prolific. We'll just he call is it prolific. prolific. And... <laughs> There's pro-choice, pro-life, and prolific. That is Professor Harvey J.K. Which and, I recommend, uh, folks. Yeah, at Harvey J.K. with an E. Harvey with an E. K. with an E. Yes, yes. On Twitter. It's, it's a good follow. But anyway. He came on and did a segment, and I thought I had to kind of prove myself. And he, I think, really did dug it and i don't think he knew how to say maybe we should keep doing something so i said it for him and so i waited a couple of weeks and i said hey do you just want to keep doing this every week because he had an article out the one where he said we got to watch out for josh holly because this is when he did that taking back america thing or what was right. it the 
George let's... Horley, as he's as we know him on this podcast. It's actually George Harley. George Harley. George Harley. I love Harley. it. <laughs> when he when he came out with that bill or, you know, just talk just basically came out with a way to get on Fox News that evening. Right. You know, Professor K wrote this big article and Common Sense, which they should check it out. And basically he was saying how, you know, Josh Ali is attempting to co-op the populist progressive energy, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, it's not, you know, not the actual meaning of what it means to be a progressive but it's the energy, you know, right. working class um, anger for and not just white working class, black. I mean, it's black working class. It, they're right. all it's working class, you know, right. and they got to go somewhere because people are, are fucking pissed, myself included, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's real energy that can be co-opted as well as used for good. It can be used for bad. And so, yeah, Harvey K wrote an article about it and. He's like, okay, well, how are we going to do a segment every week? You know, I'm not going to write an article every week. (laughs) But I was like, you know what? Why don't we take the sentiments of that article that kicked it off for you and I, Harvey, and we call our thing Taking Back America, but we're reclaiming the radical history of America, which we think is, you know, not just a radical history. It is... It is our history, the history well, of It's very of us. cool conversations that folks can pick up on the morning show over there. And, and there's old Every Tuesday. That, yeah, people can check yep. those out. And Every Tuesday with me and Harvey. Check out Harvey K's books. Um, so you're here in Missouri. I'm here in Missouri. Our mutual friend Spencer Toder is here in Missouri. You just had him on. Uh, you know, we're all sort of going the same direction, trying to get folks involved and and really roll up our sleeves. And And I, you know, the way I look at it is, you're you're the kind of guy I think I am. I think Spencer is. We could have left. We could have been gone. But we we stuck around here. We rolled up our sleeves. We're working on our own backyards. And you know, for for folks who want to do that, you know, what brought you into that? Because you're you know you're on the radio. You're doing your thing. You've got plenty of other stuff to do, right? Why why have you pivoted so hard into the politics lane? Man, my platform is completely undeserved, and I acknowledge that, and not trying to shit on myself i understand that like i had to bust my ass to get where i was but also it was a lot of luck you know i started off in radio in 2013 as a sports management and poli sci major you mm-hmm. know and i was trying to get an internship with a sports station because i thought you know i'm gonna be the gm of the royals and if i'm gonna work with you know media people let's see how they do stuff so i thought sure. let me do a sports station i was at the j school for a little bit also at mizzou I ran track at UMKC, you know, I, I just, I take a lot of walks, man. So like, I like to do a little bit of everything, which you can see mm-hmm, now has mm-hmm, not changed much. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, the sports station was just happened to be overbooked. And so my buddy's like, well, uh, 610 is full, but the killers are coming to town. Do you want to go work at the buzz 96.5? And I'm like, hell yeah, I do. So <laughs> that is how I got in the radio. I got on my first segment as a bit. We fired somebody on air and they oh, hired man. me. And uh, I thought it was a bit, but I was like, oh, came to work the next day. And I was like, oh, man, they really fired that guy. Okay, well, um, and the rest is history, you know. So anyway, that day when I kind of became a thing, Hartzell, the personality, I was like, oh, my God, like this is happening. And so this is an opportunity. I've always got stuff I wanted to say. You know, I was in the J school for a while, so I've always loved media and wanted to be on TV and talk because, you know. You sneak that in, too, in that Casey Morning Show stuff where it's like, super happy-go-lucky weather report, and then you've got, like, some serious journalism that'll hit, like, boom, and then it's like, 
Oh, and bam, we got this over here too, folks. Let's check this out. And like, it's another and here's like, a dick joke. Kind yeah. of candy thing. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, and I, and I'm not a journalist. I'm not, but I, I, I don't know. It's the, I romanticize media. Like I love the idea of the Walter Cronkite. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm that guy. I still want to believe that people wake up and have a coffee and read the paper, even sure. if it's on your iPad now. Like I yeah. know I'm, I don't know. I don't know why, but you know, I mean, I just, I watch too many, you know, too many Plus old the, black and white movies. Yeah. I don't know as a kid. Um, but you know, and, and, and it's just, it's an opportunity that I never would have thought I would have had when I left the J school. I thought that was it for me. So maybe I gotta, if I want to be the guy that is not just, telling the news but maybe breaking the news mm -hmm. then i got to find a different way to get there and so sure. all right well let me work in sports and uh let me also maybe be a campaign manager or run for office you know and i was like well that didn't work and then radio happened and then you gotta just devote everything into that well i got a foot in the door someplace so now i gotta let that stuff go for a bit and now do this radio thing and that's the one that took off i'm like okay so this is my avenue okay mm -hmm. boom so i got this thing now how can i how can i preach a little bit like it's it was always in the back of my mind that if i got a thing like this then let me try to be something for somebody else and then in 2017 like when i got out of the hospital i think that's kind of when i made my pivot when i realized like you know i tried to take my own life and Really happy that didn't work out yeah. so well. Uh, but when I came back and I got out of the hospital, uh, like the first breath I took, it was like, it was sunny. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. And literally it was like, whoa. Like the first breath was like an awakening of some kind of crazy consciousness. And I just remember feeling like, oh my God, like this feeling right now, if you would have told me just last week when I didn't know if anything could ever be good again, I wouldn't have done what I tried to do. And there's a lot of folks, I think, in that moment when they are at their lowest, don't think they can feel anything again. Yeah. And I just remember I had to go to, I got to go to the radio station. I got to go, I got to go talk about this. So the first place I went when I got out of the hospital was to 96.5. And I was like, boys, can I hop on? And they're like, of course. And we talked about it. And the text line blew up. And I was like, okay. And I knew I wasn't the right messenger. You know, I was like, I'm going to have relapses soon. I know. Right now I'm riding a high and I'm loving it life, baby. Soak it in, man. But, sure. you know, I'm not going to feel this way forever. But I knew that, like, maybe that one conversation that somebody heard, maybe they just needed that, that spark yeah. for a second. And I realized then that, okay, I can't, I can't not use this thing I got. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so I got opinions on everything <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I, you know, and I, I am somebody who has a passion for, for people and, um, you know, politics is always something that I've been into. So it just seems like, again, for some reason I have an undeserved, uh, um, blowhorn. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to yell a little bit and Absolutely. I hope, I hope that I'm not just yelling at you that I'm hoping to inspire some kind of fight within you. Yeah. So yeah. we can do something together, you know. I hear that loud and clear. That's definitely why we are here. At Hartzell with a Z, two L's, at Hartzell965 on Twitter. Folks, check him out. Uh, throw Hartzell a follow. You will not regret it. Check out what he is doing. Hartzell, my man, thank you very much for dropping by the Heartland Pod. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, my friend. Keep being excellent. <laughs> And now longtime friend of the program, Jess Piper, at EnglishTeach07 on Twitter. It's a great follow. You won't regret it. <laughs> we were in the neighborhood. Thought we'd stop by.
All right, this is our second special visit. This is the uh, the drop-by howdy, as I'm calling it. These are not full-blown chats. It's just, you know, a friend stopping by to say hi. Folks in the Midwest know what I'm talking about. And so I've got Jess Piper, a longtime friend of the show. Jess, thanks for dropping by. Thanks for saying howdy. Adam, I appreciate you. I love being a longtime friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that. We're talking episode eight, our first month. We hadn't even, you know, barely even knew what we were doing at that point. Being like, let's do a podcast, see how this goes, and here we are. So it was a great idea. <laughs> here we are, episode one hundred, uh, official one hundred. Obviously, we've got all the other shows, so I, I haven't even done the math. But uh, so one of the reasons you're here is you are running for office. Uh, you have shifted. The first time I talked to you, you're gearing up for a full year of teaching with COVID regulations and everything in place. Mm-hmm. You did it. You're through that. And now you're running for office. Things have changed in your world. What What are you running for? And like, give us just a quick elevator pitch for that for folks who may not know about that part. My name is Jess Piper. I am up on the uh, Iowa-Missouri border in the very tip of Northwest Missouri. That ain't no um, joke. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm north of Maryville, so I'm in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm running for a House seat, uh, House of Representatives in Missouri. Uh, currently, it's District 1. Um, we're not not exactly sure what it'll be after redistricting, but I feel pretty confident that it'll basically say, stay the same because I don't think there's a whole lot of people interested um, in this part of, of the state, actually. So, yeah, I'm a, a tenured teacher, 16 years American literature. I did teach that one year through COVID um, and, you know, just a lot of things came up through that year and I decided that maybe I could make more of a difference in Jefferson City, uh, working on policies for uh, students and teachers in the state. So one of those policies that I know is huge for you. It's huge for me. I'm married to an educator as well is this school. And I'm going to use the language school Mm -hmm. choice, even though I think even the phrase school choice is a misnomer in and of itself. But um, it's a big deal. Uh, You have written about it. uh, And for folks who are listening to this, uh, you can read an article that Jess wrote uh, it's on our Patreon page, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes, and I'm sure that it'll get shared all over Twitter, so and every, <laughs> everywhere else and Facebook and everything, uh, I'm sure you'll see it. So uh, very good article. Can you just give us kind of the, the the gist on this school choice issue from your angle? Yeah, and so you were correct in bringing up that word choice. When they, when they say choice, it sounds good. It sounds like every normal person would say, sure. hey, that sounds like a great idea. Absolutely. No you child know, left behind, does? man. Who wants to leave kids behind? <laughs> Pro-choice, right? <laughs> um, but actually, actually, what it is, is it's one of those words like right to work. It, it actually means the opposite of what they're saying. So um, school choice is, um, it can be uh, charter schools, it can be private schools, um, and then they're really pitting these two things against public schools. Um, if we go back to our founding, because conservatives love to talk about the founders, right. you can see what their thoughts were on uh, public education. They believed that people, uh, local people should pay taxes and they should be run by uh, local people in the area. And what we see happening right now is legislators uh, really sticking their nose into local control. Yeah. Um, we have legislators showing up to board of education meetings, which is an outrage. (laughs) These are local people elected by their communities uh, to to serve over schools, uh, create curriculum or at least approve curriculum, that sort of thing. So um, there are a lot of state legislators in Jeff City that are pushing this. Um, We know that the reason they're pushing this is because um, there's a lot of money to be made in charter schools and in private schools. 
Um, and they're really getting uh, parents riled up over it. It encompasses everything, you know, this, Adam, but it started with masking and and uh, quarantine mandates. Then it went to vaccines and then it's did this strange thing into CRT. And now we see people throwing a fit about sex ed, which, by the way, is not taught in Missouri standards. Right. <laughs> We're an abstinence only. I don't know how we have so many people in this state since we are abstinence only, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe the word gets out. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember actual sex education. Uh, you didn't have it. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, it, it definitely it is it is a bucket full of fake issues that, yes. that continue to get thrown at the wall. And every time one of the issues drops off the wall, a new one gets thrown at the wall. But the bottom line is they're pushing the same song and dance underneath of it with this school choice thing. And and you talked about the the money. What why is that? Cause you really, really highlight the money in your piece mm-hmm. as sort of the main driver there. Why is that mm-hmm. where you're focused? Um, because that's where um, politicians are getting involved in creating policy because a lot of these choice organizations will actually just, you know, donate to their campaigns um, and they're helping these people get elected. Like and so the show it just, me Institute, for example. <laughs> so incredible that you bring that place up. Yeah, exactly. These people are pushing for choice. Um, and we got to talk for a second about what happens in rural areas like mine. Yeah, um, there's there's no choice. Um, I'm, you know, 57 miles from LeBlond, uh, or St. Joe Christian, which is the only, um, religious high school that's, that's close to me. And if I wanted my kid to go to a charter and that's in Kansas city, you know, that's 90 miles one way. Um, so there's no choice. So when they take money from the kitty, so public education, you know, we have all this money we put together. And by the way, we're 49th in educational funding. So we're already, at the bottom. But we're forced an opportunity, that, Jess. I don't know if you that. <laughs> means there's nowhere else to go but up, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so when they talk about choice, people in rural areas. So if you're not in a suburb or you're not in a city, you need to know that they're just defunding your schools when they're talking about choice. Choice means that your kid isn't getting a new textbook. Yeah. Uh, their playground equipment is going to crap. Um, their teachers are leaving in droves because we don't pay them. Um it's just a mess. And it's a mess because when the folks down there, um, especially, you know, on the right, they just really don't care about what's going on in our schools, obviously. And it almost, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but what is a great way to have an institution fail? And that's to strip all the money from it, right? Right, right. And so um, they keep saying these failing schools, by the way, in my district, we don't have failing schools um, and we're st- we still don't have the funding we need. Right. But I think it's uh, purposeful. I have had this running belief. And I, and I, I think if you look at the how they've operated, I, I think it, it's founded on pretty, pretty hard facts here that the, the current Republican Party's basic goal, once elected, is to break the thing they are elected to be a part of. So that they can say it doesn't work. And Mm -hmm. then they say, but we know how to fix it, which is to make it smaller. And we should give your money back to you, except really we don't want to give it back to you. We really want to give it to these private organizations that have no accountability and that, Mm -hmm. by the way, don't have public board meetings that you can come and throw a fit at (laughs) and don't have the ability for you to use Chapter 610 and get a look at their Mm -hmm. records under Missouri Sunshine Law. 
right. but we think that they're going to use their the money better because you know it's private business and private businesses does such a better job with money. We all know that. And if I mean, just, look at private prisons, right? Yeah, they're so much better. I mean, it's it's just it's so transparent, and we know exactly what's going on in there, and there's a lot of accountability, and nobody's just making hand over fist profits off of the backs of people who they shouldn't be making money on. I mean, there's none of that going on, so I don't know why the big problem is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it you pointed to it exactly. Um, it's just it's money making, um, and at the because I'm a teacher and I wouldn't have done what I did for 16 years for the pitiful pay um, that I received and every teacher nearly in Missouri receives if I didn't care about kids. And it's just sickening what we're doing. Um, We're taking away. I I gave my resignation in February. That's a long time to find somebody before the next school in May. It's a very long time. They couldn't find a certified teacher. Yeah. But not one certified teacher applied for my job. And I worked in a good district. You know, I worked in a district where kids aren't sent to the principal's office. There's no discipline problems. They have, you know, enough money to have, you know, choir and STEM and that sort of thing. And still no teacher applied. So therein lies the problem. They're defunding, defunding. They're taking away from the kids. We're lo- especially in rural districts, it's getting worse and worse. And now we can't even get certified teachers. One, because who wants to be screamed at? You know, forty thousand dollars a year, and you want to be, you know, berated in in meetings, and then have someone post about you on Facebook or Twitter. Right. Um, and two, the pay is so awful. Um, and so it's just, it's a huge amount of issues. And I think a lot of the problem is there's not a whole lot of teachers down there doing the work. And you know this because, um, you know, I'm not exactly sure why we have, you know, someone who was a lawyer trying to write, and you're a lawyer, so I'm picking on you for a minute, right? <laughs> but trying to write, trying to write curriculum for sixth grade science. Right. No, it doesn't make any sense. Right. It makes absolutely no sense. Well, I, I've been married to an educator. She's been in over a decade now. Um, you know, I have a good understanding of what her world is like. I have an understanding of what you're coming from as an educator. But it's not my job. I have zero training in that whatsoever. I have no business writing curriculum of any kind. I have a vague understanding of PBIS uh, because my yeah. wife is a very big proponent of that. And so I've yeah. gleaned that from her. Um, which for folks who don't speak the language, that's positive behavior uh, supports. And, and it's it's a very useful tool. It's a very good thing. Uh, but even that gets pushed back from parents because it's, you know, they, they think it's too soft or whatever. Um, what about the ideological factor here? Because, and I don't mean politically ideological. Mm-hmm. What I mean is, don't you think that there's something being missed here that's not just money? which is a, a way to subvert mm-hmm. in loco parentis, a way to subvert the fact that public schools are open to everybody and that the rules are for everybody. And they can't make a kid who is non-denominational have a secular prayer or atheistic or Jewish or Muslim take a Christian prayer or whatever, or, for example, the Pledge of Allegiance and Under God, and the ability to force culture down kids' throats is not allowed at public school, even though they think that's what's happening, by the way. That's what I was about to say, right? <laughs> they, they, exactly what you said, they think is happening. And that's, that's insanity. If you work in a public school and you work around kids, if you've ever been around a kid, you can't force anything down their throat. Um, they take what they want. And 
I mean, honestly, I mean, they'll give you hell about it. They'll make fun of you if you're trying to indoctrinate (laughs) them, you know, but that's the thing. Like there is a, there are private schools, religious schools around me for elementary um, that I guess people, but you're right. I'm, I'm not Catholic. So how, what, how do I make that make sense? You know, Mm -hmm. for my kid who needs to go to mass every, you know, whatever, whenever they go and do prayer and that sort of thing in public schools, we don't do that. If you don't stand for the pledge of allegiance, you don't stand. If you want to stand, stand. If you need a moment of silence for a prayer, pray. If you don't want to pray, don't pray. And that's the thing, you know, like when they're going into, to libraries looking for fantastic pieces of literature to throw out that they obviously haven't read. When they're talking about Beloved, they were talking about, you know, a sexual scene. And I read Beloved a couple of times, but it's been several years ago when I was in college. But the thing I remember was her killing her daughter, her infant daughter, to keep her from being sent back to slavery. Mm -hmm. And that's what sticks in my mind. So I'm thinking, what what are you thinking when you read something and you got some sort of sexual, um, you know, content from beloved. She killed her children. Like, didn't that stick out? And the book they definitely don't want to ban, by the way, the book that they would have no problem with you teaching in public school is full of death and full of sex and full of incredibly horrible things, especially in the old Testament. (laughs) (laughs) There's all kinds of stuff in there. Right. I, I've been in some in some settings and and heard some scripture and and went, man, I forgot about that one. And it is brutal. <laughs> like it's yeah. truly, and it's way more brutal than anything in Huck Finn or To Kill a Mockingbird or any of those books that people have tried to ban in the past. I mean, it's just right. it's, it's unbelievable. And it's um, like I see, there's this group. It's called Moms for Liberty, and yeah. they're just all over the place and they're coming to Missouri. They're in Missouri. Um, and they have books that they want to ban and then books that they want to put in. And I read, you know, a few passages of one of the history books and I would put that in quotation marks, history books, um, talking about, you know, white Southerners were really struggling because the enslaved people were rising up and, you know, it was tough on these white folks to hold these people in bondage. Like they needed to, because these black folks were trying to, you know, get away from slavery. And that's their point of view Wow, is victimizing these white enslavers instead of saying, you know what? I don't have to tell a kid anything, show them the constitution. Yeah. Uh, what did it, what did it say? I mean, besides slavery, I mean, they called, they specifically called indigenous people savages right. in the constitution. Right. <laughs> so yikes. Or the yes. Declaration of Independence. I'm all over the place. But anyway, you get it. So, yeah. um, and by the way, I'm a literature teacher. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the problem is, is um, banning literature. And we know this. It doesn't, in fact, it just makes it more popular. If you tell kids this is a banned book. In fact, right. libraries often have, you know, banned book weeks. And everyone's super excited to read those banned books. So, yeah. Um, but it's, it's the same thing that was done in the 50s and in the 60s and in the 80s. And, you know, it just it keeps coming full circle. Um, and I don't know that it will ever go away. But I want everyone to know that CRT, that was a completely manufactured crisis. It's like, um, you know, when it's time for an election and all of a sudden there are migrants at the border. Yeah. That's what CRT is. It right. was just completely manufactured. And anytime they hear a teacher say something they don't like, it's CRT, you right. know, when it's not, it's not taught in Missouri. It's the HIPAA violation of public schools. 
good. <laughs> well, the the piece will uh, be published. It's it's live as you're listening to this now. Uh, titled uh, by yours truly, their goal is your silence: the attack on public school advocates. Written by Jessica Piper. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for writing. Best of luck on the campaign trail, and I'm sure we will talk to you very soon. Thank you, Adam. Talk to you soon. Talking politics. All right, we are here for talking politics, the one hundredth episode. Although probably not technically the hundredth talking politics, but that—that's you know neither here nor there. We've got Rachel Parker and I've got Sean Diller. Rachel Parker, how are you doing? What are you sipping on? How'd your Thanksgiving go? Hundredth episode. Yeah. That's kind of monumental. I'm honored to be here for the hundredth episode. I really am. I I truly uh, mean that. I'm good. Thanksgiving was epic. Uh, I ate too much as you might assume I did. We had a great, lovely, low-key time with my mother-in-law and all the veg all the vegan food I made for her went over very well. So I was very happy about that. Nice. And I'm sipping on a decaf chai latte. And I've mm. I've nailed my uh podcast taping chai latte now. Two bags of the Tazo decaf chai, two bags, mm. double bag it, and whatever this is, like probably a 12 ounce uh, maybe 10 ounces and uh, a dollop of uh, whatever milk or milk substitute you like uh, a couple of teaspoons of date syrup. Cause I like the way the date syrup just dissolves right away and adds this kind of multi flavor. So I'm throwing that out there for the kids listening to the podcast and it tastes delicious. Man, that sounds amazing. Sean Taylor, how about you? How you doing? What you sipping on? How was your Thanksgiving, my man? I'm doing well, doing well. Thanks. And Thanksgiving was awesome. It was super low key, just the way I like it. Yeah, I'm sipping on tea as well. I think, are we all going to be ending up drinking tea tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. I like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> mine is uh, one of the celebrated selections from Celestial Seasonings, our friends at One Sleepy Time Drive, uh, so, Bangle Spice. So much alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for picking up on it. That's beautiful. I also have a celebrated selection from Celestial Seasonings. I have their chamomile, which I've been – basically, uh, uh, for those who listen a lot, you have heard me say the same two teas. I bought a box of the Big Low Green Tea and a box of Celestial Seasoning chamomile because they were right next to each other at my local grocer. And they have been sitting in my little studio space. So that's the tea I have. But I also have a, a fairly substantial pour that I'll be working through of some Templeton cast strength, excuse me, uh, rye. Uh, delicious, delicious. That is sampling. that is a substantial pour. There's some water in there. Okay, all right, there we go. So save your judgment. Um, <laughs> I wasn't doing a judge. Do what you gotta do. You have three children yes, under yes. whatever. Like, please, and a baby. One of them is a baby. So yeah, Jesus, yeah. do what you gotta Who do. Has has started figuring out how to walk around a little bit in her walker, and she she has one speed, and it is fast. Is the speed that she has, and it is hilarious because she runs out of of <laughs> runway very quickly, and then she's just pissed. Because she wants to keep going. So good Thanksgiving here as well. Very low key as well. Uh, my parents came up. Uh, we live a couple hundred yards from my in-laws. So very handy. Uh, my wife's grandpa and grandma came. So it was a, a nice little time. And uh, off we go into our 100th episode here. Our first topic here, we have a true or false. True or false. True or false, the Build Back Better plan will tax cow farts like Jason Smith, our representative who is, I think, still running for Senate uh, in Missouri, claimed. He literally claimed. He put it out there. He said it. This is a real thing that he said. He did a video, in fact, of him in front of some cows, and he said, like meat, too bad, because this bill taxes cow farts, costing farmers and ranchers 
over $6,500 per cow. This is the D.C. Democrats' message to rural America. So let's talk about that because uh, it doesn't at all. Sean, I assure you, I'm sure that you've got some thoughts about the alleged cow farts bill. Sure. Yeah. He's full of shit <laughs> to uh, stay on topic, I guess. He's a lingo. Um, bullshit. Yeah. 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 It's the methane fee is only on natural gas and petroleum systems, not agriculture. Right. And even before I double checked it, I figured that agriculture would have an exemption just because even on the minimum wage and overtime, mm-hmm. agriculture gets an exemption. Ag- agriculture always gets an exemption whenever Pretty much everything they need it. Yeah. Want it. Yeah. So he's just lying. Right. Well, I don't know yeah. why people do that. Yeah. We'll continue to keep calling him on it. Rachel, what do you think? I would really love it if, if we could go like this, true or false, Jason Smith really is in the U S house of representatives. So we could go <laughs> false that we could just get on with our lives. Unfortunately, whatever. He he's such is. a, He's a clown. I hate that he has a job that I pay for. Yeah. No, I just, I don't, I feel like this is a yeah, no, actually. And no, I, I, it would be, but our yeah, no is even worse. I know. I know. Um, I know what's coming up in the show. Yeah. False. Jason Smith is false. Okay. And before we leave, it goes along with like in the open. uh, Yeah. I'll, I'll toss it back to you, Sean, but it goes back to, you know, in the open talking about calling out the lies. This is, this is what I was talking about in that open of, this is it's not even creative, right? It's just a straight up lie that can be easily like I, I posted it on Twitter with our Twitter, said it was a lie, posted five different links for people to look at, and including Forbes and USA Today. And it's just a straight up lie. And why is he lying like this? Because Missouri's the number three beef producer in the United well, States. And let's admit who he's talking to. He's talking to the suburban Republican base. That's yes, who he's talking to. That's, that's right. who he's, he's signaling to. The to. cul-de-sac libertarians. With their porterhouse steaks on their, you know, electric grills. But they got a Deerberg's. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they, they're they going to eat their meat, by God. And, the, and Joe Biden's not going to take it away. Sean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I always double check with Jason Smith, his League of Conservation Voters scorecard, because he's so awful. And I always just want to make sure I have the numbers right. He has a 5% score from them in 2020. And Lifetime, 1%. The legal conservation voters. Yeah, yeah. He voted against a shark finning ban. He votes against agricultural workers being able to organize. He votes against funding the EPA. He votes against clean water protections. Well, we got to have some place for that cow shit to go, I guess. Yeah, he's just the worst. And I did also want to mention that, uh, ladies, he's single. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, he's got a great lobbying career ahead of him whenever he gets kicked out of Congress, so. I guess. Well, he's shameless with what he'll say, so I guess that'll be an easy transition for him. All right, well, let's move on to uh, the yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. Governor Parson claims that Missouri is number four for opportunity. He cites no metrics, no stats, no reports, nothing to back this claim up, but number four for opportunity. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. I don't know where it comes from. Sean, you, you're a campaign specialist, surely. This is some type of smart campaign maneuver that's just going over our head. Yeah. People, <laughs> no. I mean, he's an incumbent. So you want people to think it's a great place for opportunity. I try to think of ways to, you know, quantify that. In terms of economic growth, Missouri's 43rd. 
in the country. So opportunity <laughs> um, to get better. Yeah, yeah. So, and then population growth, they're in like the, there are about half of the median. So in the last 10 years, the median growth is 0.63% and Missouri grew 0.29% in the so last some opportunity there for people to stop moving away, I guess. <laughs> Rachel, what about I, you? Uh, yeah, no. So I, I, I joke a lot that Twitter's not real, but I do feel like if you're a real person, and you use Twitter to communicate, then we have to sort of talk about what public officials, especially when they held office. Right. We talked about Claire McCaskill last week. We are bipartisan in our scoldings of people from what they tweet. I saw that. And my response to him was, I, I think, doesn't the tweet just say Amer- Missouri is fourth for opportunity, right? That's it. Right. It's just a picture of him holding and a, a baby. Little girl. Yeah. And a little girl. And I said to catch COVID. That was my question. Um, <laughs> so oh, nice. you could definitely like if you really Oof. want COVID, if you really want to catch COVID, Man, Missouri's got your back. We are lagging behind almost everybody in the country for immunization for uh, vaccinations. Um, our cities, uh, St. Louis, sucks in terms of vaccination rates. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Just no. I really appreciated the responses that were just like, if you're going to oh, make great. up a stat, why not at least be number one? Yeah. Like, what what kind of ridiculous bullshit stat I, is number four? What I thought was really, what I thought was really funny. It's obvious when he's done this before. He did this when he did the, 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 the Gestapo is going to come banging down your door and force right, you to take right, a right, vaccine right, right. thing. He hears a statement or reads a statement from like a lunatic fringe hard right pack of some kind. And then he just goes right to his Twitter and stamps his fat fingers on the keyboard. And then out comes this nonsense. And it's like, he doesn't know that the people that, that kind of support him a little bit are not on Twitter. They're definitely not there. One of these think tanks or dark money groups, I'm sure sent him the PDF with talking oh, points. Yeah. And, yeah, and the, he just, you know, and he just went, okay, they're never full. He doesn't have right. And they probably, about. it's just, it's not based on what's happening in reality. It's probably based on like regulatory climate. If, a. If, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, and so right. if you, if you call his constituent, if you call the constituent number to like scream at them, as I've done many times, and I'll always be like, I'm really sorry. I have to do this to you. You could quit if you wanted to anyway. And I'll start like yelling at this woman. She'll know where it's from. Like I've done this a couple of times. She's like, well, that's because he read a thing. And I was like, he's the governor. Yeah. He has press people. He has things he can run people, but whatever. Yeah. No Parson. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one, which is uh, Sean's fault. That's why this is one is on here because he had a very what did strong Sean opinion do? of it. He had a strong oh, right. opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yes. we're, okay. we're jumping Oh, here. no. I didn't do my homework. <laughs> All right, buy or sell, ranked choice voting is the answer to our system's issues. It's Sean it's says not. it's not. He yeah. says sell it. So I'll do a quick. Are, why are you selling going. it? Yeah, give us give us the why here. Well, I'm I'm glad that you set it up as, you know, is the answer. And I'll even grant, you know, is, is an important part of the answer. And I don't think it is because I think really the answer is we do have to empower people who don't have a voice. We have to build real authentic grassroots movements and people do not like to vote (laughs) and they don't like to know who all the people are and like rank choice, even though it is in its, you know, if you like reading about Madison and Hamilton and you like thinking about what's the perfect government going to look like and how can we better 
keep tabs on our elected officials and not be victims of money in politics. And this all sounds very good. <laughs> so no, yeah, right I mean, now you're you're not right now you're selling you're, it to yeah, me. Yeah, I don't exactly. think you're like I'm trying to be generous. <laughs> no, and what yeah, does so, I mean, it doesn't sound idea. good, Terrence? Terrence, like what? To be honest, like what is it that you really? Because you you react in a very sort of like yeah, you don't even think about it. You're just like no, no, yeah. yeah. And I, it's like what's where does that come from? Because I'd like to well, know. I'd like to know where that comes from. Well, the main that thing that I always no. think of is like getting it done. Getting anything done takes a lot of work and capital political capital and getting the whole country behind it under like and thinking that it's really important like you know the way that the anti-nuclear movement really actually happened over 10 or 15 years you know like i don't know that ranked choice voting needs a movement like that um and so that's why i think like just let it let it let it go to places who want it and like st louis for instance you know, New York did ranked choice voting, which was a famous debacle. And the response by everyone who supports ranked choice voting was it wasn't a debacle because of ranked choice voting. It's like, well, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> um, maybe they're right. St. Louis did approval voting, which doesn't ask people to rank the candidates and then also doesn't require a crazy tabulation based on the number twos and number three choices. So approval voting, like in the most recent mayoral election, people were allowed to vote for as many candidates as they wanted in the first round. So it was a, like a nonpartisan sort of primary where the top two vote getters in a situation where voters are allowed to vote for as many candidates as they want, move on to the runoff. And I think that is really smart in a place where people are politically engaged. You know, turnout in the St. Louis election was 30% or something. A lot of local elections is like that. Those people are highly engaged. They pushed for this change. And I think, you know, they got an awesome result. So, you know, I like it. I just don't like it enough to, you know, really do what would need to happen personally. Interesting. Interesting. So if I'm picking it up, you're saying basically it's hard and there's not enough momentum there. And to, to do that would require yeah. so much work that it's not worth it, even if it is could be a good thing. Yeah. And I mean, constitutionally good like, enough thing. In terms of a roadmap, constitutionally, what we've seen a lot of recently is that states control how elections are run. Right. And that, you know, I mean, people are going to do all kinds of different things to affect elections. And so I think protecting the right to vote, automatic registration, that's kind of where my head goes when I think of reforms. Rachel, any thoughts on this before we move well, on? I, I like to uh, I like to not try to do either ors. Um, and I, I'm, I'm trying to, when, when we were talking about this, I'm trying to think of like, what can we really do about our region? I wasn't really thinking about national elections. I was really thinking about, which I mean, in a national election setting, getting rid of the party structure is all but impossible anyway. And I, I agree that that would be whatever people say, we'd have to, we, we need a third. We talked about this last week extensively about like how, how much a third party is a terrible idea because like there's no person that would actually support it. They think there is, but there isn't. Um, I, Ross Perot begs to differ. Yeah. My mom voted for him. Um, so when I look at states like Missouri, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, anybody want to throw any of the other ones in there, um, Arkansas, whatever. Uh, all I see is um, people, young people not moving here in high enough numbers and old people not dying quickly enough. And I'm not saying I want old people to die. I'm talking about the demographic shifts that we need to have rational people running state government again 
I, I it's 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 becoming less of an issue if I if I agree with them all the time, <laughs> and at right. least hoping for competency, right? And so in Missouri, I wonder if it would make a difference if at least our state elected officials and our state legislature could be elected on, on a more nonpartisan basis. And one of the ways that I could see us getting there, I could see Missouri voters being like, oh yeah, oh yeah, get rid of the prime. Absolutely. Yeah, let's just do a let's just do a winner take all kind of situation. Um, because it'll be much more difficult for uh, both part, frankly, it'll be really difficult for both parties to survive, I think, if that were to happen. Um, because the Missouri Democratic Party is, what is that? I don't even know what to say. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to punch down. It's terrible. Um, they're, they just don't have, it's like, it's like riding a wheel that has no spokes, but as a chain, that's what it feels like <laughs> to me, where it's like. <laughs> that's a very hilarious <laughs> right like it's on there he's falling like it's it's kind of a bike but not really it's not gonna go anywhere um but it's a bike uh and then the, the missouri republican party is just feckless and uh funded by um you know heavily uh, muddied interests yeah. that went to yeah that and that, that have a very specific agenda and they use the religious right to to get there so we're heading down a very into a very dark place so i'm just like out of desperation throwing stuff at the wall to see what will stick so um, yeah. I'm going to buy some form of nonpartisan statewide elections, yeah. buying it. Well, I, I'll buy it too, but I, I appreciate the complication of it, I guess, is my caveat to it. So well, let's move on to the big one for this episode. Uh, school choice. We've This is not the first time we've gotten into school choice some or the show me institute for that matter, but there's there's more to it, and the reason that it's back uh, is twofold. Uh, Jess Piper was on as a, a little drop by Howdy earlier, and she has penned an article. For, well, penned. She typed an article for us uh, for that's on our Patreon page. The link is in the show notes, and it'll be uh, shared all over Twitter uh, at English Teach 7 is Jess Piper, and you can at the Heartland Pod. will send that link out. Uh, it's free for everybody to read on our Patreon page. It's a nice example of the kind of content that you'll get if you sign up as a member. Um, so... That's the first reason. The second reason is that the more I am looking at this issue in Missouri, the more I am seeing that it is going to be perhaps the defining issue of 2022, potentially further than that. It is an absolutely massive issue. It touches on all kinds of things. And this push to get folks at these board of education meetings, these local board meetings, this is part of that. This, you know, they're putting it in terms of masks and CRT, and now it's books and all these other things. But that's really those are only small reasons to get people to the meetings because they want to get parents mad at public education so that they can shift these funds away from public education and move them over to private education, even some of it for profit, most importantly, away from the public eye and away from a place where we can actually see what's going on, away from a place where the federal regulations, the constitution, the basic uh, laws that protect folks aren't there. So let's talk about kind of school choice uh, really quick. Let me give you the, so this is, what is school choice? This is one definition of it. First of all, I think the phrase school choice is a bullshit term anyway, but um, essentially, it is a program by which people would get to choose a desired district and move their tax dollars into that desired uh, district. Uh, for some folks, that sounds like a really 
great idea, especially folks who live in an area where there's a ton of schools around. Maybe it's 10 miles to the school you go to anyway and 12 miles to a school that you think is better and worth it. So for some folks, it makes a lot of difference. For, for folks in other areas, there's not going to be schools to choose from. And so it makes absolutely no sense. And it's just shifting money away uh, from their schools. Uh, this was a big deal at the 2020 RNC. Uh, there's a, a Slate article that will be in the show notes about it. It was essentially has become a platform of the National Republican Party, the state Republican parties, the local Republican parties. This is a – you want to talk about an issue that is actually going from national all the way down to local. This is that issue. So, uh, Rachel, why don't you kick us off here on school choice? While you were talking, I, I I kept thinking to myself when you said they're trying to, you know, ban books. And I thought, again, and they're trying to, you know, take money away from public education. And I said, I thought, still, you know, these are things that have been happening throughout my life. Sean, I know you've been doing a lot of reading into post-racial America and um, slavery era America. And schools have always been a battleground in this country. They were a battleground when they were trying to be integrated. Um, uh, there were schools that were closed because they refused to integrate. They refused to allow black children to attend them. So they would, they, I read, there was an article I saw in the guardian this week. I didn't read it. Uh, Cause it was Thanksgiving. And I was like, I don't have to know about that right now, but it was an article about a school in Virginia. I think that decided to close instead of admit black children. Right. Um, so schools have always been sort of at the heart of the culture war in America. Um, uh, I agree that this is this does feel to me like a sort of financial showdown in a way that I don't know that I've ever seen before. It was Betsy DeVos's primary objective when she was the secretary of education. Mm-hmm. Um, she was she was she, she was Donald Trump's education secretary. She was the subject of a lot of ire when she was um, nominated because she has absolutely no experience in education the experience that she has is raising money for school choice. That's what she does, that she she and her family are uh, sectarian, uh, conservative. Uh, I call them Christian supremacists, um, evangelical supremacists, whatever you want to call them. And uh, the intersection of school choice represents a lot of things. It represents uh, an intersection between the far Christian right and I'm not talking about people who follow religion. I'm talking about people who are dogmatically uh, uh, theocratic. The folks who genuinely and, want to reform the federal government to create a theocracy and a second coming. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about theocratic. Yeah. These are non-secularists, right? I know people that are Christian that are still sec- that believe in secular government. This is not what I'm talking about. Um, and they have a good partner in the dark money groups that would like to do away with labor unions entirely and property taxes and anything to do with any public infrastructure. So it's a good marriage as far as uh, mutual interests are concerned. And I do agree. I, before we, right before we started to, to, to tape, um, I was doing some uh, reading up on, cause it's, it's, it's really hard to follow right now because there's so much going on There's a ton in this particular. So I was, I was, as I was Googling and I'm just going to suggest to the folks that are listening that they do the same thing, just so they can get kind of an idea of the breadth of like how overwhelming this is yeah. right now, because this be is an a, attack a bunch on of links in the show notes. That'll be, yeah. To start. But if you go to, uh, your search bar on your mobile device or your computer at home, wherever you want, and put the word school choice. I, I, I started to search, search, under, search under charter school bills. 
And that's not how they're being filed. They're being filed all over the country as school choice bills. If you put that in a browser, it's going to light up like a Christmas tree everywhere. They're having these conversations everywhere. The kind of bills like the one that just got passed in Missouri, which is law here now, mm-hmm. um, that's slowly going to be implemented, which basically says like you're going to get tax credits uh, to be able to put your child in a private school. Um, and again, that is the fusion of the people who want to de-secularize America and, uh, put money back into religious institutions and people who want to weaken the social, uh, safety nets and the social and the sort of quote unquote welfare fabric of this country, which basically is teachers unions because teachers unions are still one of the strongest unions in the country. Um, I'm going to stop there and let Sean pick it up, but that's kind of, it's it's pretty mind blowing right now, and I do think that like when you look at what's happening in the state, I'm very curious to hear. I know Jamila and she's uh, going to come on the show and talk to us a little bit about the projects that she's working on. I get that education is something that we should always look at in terms of how well are we serving our students. Um, maybe the Victorian model of education is one we don't need to follow anymore. I think that's probably a fair thing that like not everybody wants to walk into a room with one person standing in the front of it, sit quietly at a desk for eight hours at a stretch and write stuff in a notebook and then go home and read. Um, there are probably other ways that we can educate people. There are all kinds of learning Which, styles the in the way, world. A lot of teachers are doing already. There's a lot right. of innovation in right. the classroom. Right. And I was going to say like, we don't have to change the school system. We need to give it more money and we need to give teachers. We need to let teachers be more empowered to teach it allow the classroom environment to evolve to adapt right to do all those things um but the demonizing of public education right now as an institution of, of, of as an ineffective institution is when it's not good at educating students uh when i see it it's always devoid of like the economic realities of where some of these kids live um the uh the bereft way that we fund schools which is awful and inexcusable for a first world country yeah. um and all this like so if there's that context never folded in when they talk about schools failing schools and failing our children well you know yeah when you don't when you put them in red when you put schools in red line districts that have very low property tax values of course they're not going to have you know they're not going to have they're of course they're going to have students that are failing and students that you know test below average and all that other stuff so right. it is the same old tune but I'm 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 afraid that we can't get ahead of this enough is is yeah. my big worry. Yeah. So Sean, there are several facets here. Um I I think that what Rachel says is right that there's a marriage here between all of these things that are working in concert toward the same goal, but can you unpack for us the different interests themselves because I I think there are it is, you know, Jess Piper's piece boils it down to money. I think there's also religion. I think there's also like Rachel said, there's also a, a labor aspect to it. There's also a purely political ideological aspect to it. So can you kind of break some of that down for us? So what I was thinking about when I was listening to Rachel was that this school choice movement is largely fueled by diehard conservatives and Republicans. So that's absolutely true. I don't necessarily know how many of them really care about ultimately a theocratic state, because I think it is really important to the big interests in the Republican party to like the electoral, just the electoral future to continue to drive a wedge between people who care about where their kids go to school and who 
you know, might be open to not trusting the local school. And, you know, it's, it is a really cynical thing that they're doing, but, you know, I think that it's really fueled by just the, the entire right-wing constellation of organizations, the, the money-seeking ones and the theocracy-seeking ones. And, you know, I was looking at some of the electoral background of this. So like white women in 2016 voted, actually voted for Trump, 47% of them voted for Trump. And in 2020, 53% of them voted for Trump. Right. In 2018, white women went for Democrats. And independence in general, 52% went for Biden, 43% for Trump. And so people who see themselves as nonpartisan, who see themselves as maybe common sense voters, or people who haven't really been activated in the past, but are now really paying attention because they're Sinclair owned local news. And, <laughs> uh, you know, that whole, it is a crazy money machine that's behind it, but it's, it is really stoking division among parents and, you know, parents of all races and all income levels, because it is about winning them on this single issue of you can't trust Democrats to watch over your money and get your kids ready for the future. And you definitely when it comes can't to trust them to watch over your kids. Right, right. They're going to be filling their heads with all sorts of, you know, not just crazy ideas, but destructive ideas that will send right. them, you know, straight to hell. Right. So, and when, I, when I was a kid, it was all about should the Pledge of Allegiance have under God in it? Should we right. do the Pledge of Allegiance every day? That was a big thing. Right. And then it was prayer in school. Prayer Which in the school. Supreme Court has weighed in on and right. made very clear. Right. It <laughs> made very clear. But prayer in school was a huge thing that they, you know, that I forget like how many midterm elections they ran on prayer in school. We want, we think it should be okay for your child. And of course, yeah. like when you ask and the average of, child, like, do you want to pray in school? They're like, I don't want to go to school. Which, by like, the way, why, it was like, never <laughs> illegal to pray in school, and it's still not illegal right. to pray in school. It's, it's just illegal they, to make somebody pray the way right. you want them to. But pray they in wanted school. to have these like allocated periods. This was this was during this was one of W's things. Yeah, I don't think he necessarily pushed it, but it was something that he certainly Rare was like, polls, man. Yeah, so he he wanted all the kids to be able to express their faith. Um, and, uh, I think during that era, there was all about, uh, you know, like, why can't they just have time? Why can't you just say, this is prayer time. You could pray or you want And schools were like, because that's not our well, job. Like that's the not two what we're kids in the corner that don't pray will now be picked on by the kids who do pray. The conversation is well. okay. never really actually about what's happening at school. No, no, also. never. Right. Right. And, right. And so, and what I do think is happening with school choice is it's the new prayer in school. It's more right. popular, Absolutely. more totally. palatable than prayer in school. Well, it sounds way better because school, who doesn't yeah. want choice? Choice. And it's, Man, it's the old tactic. The aisle. It's the old tactic of, of that side. And I, I, when I said, when I was talking, let me clarify to you, when I was talking about like that sort of theocratic movement, I wasn't trying to imply that like that was the, the seed of it. It was more that the, that is a very easy base of people to gin up to get you to, co they will easily cooperate with a very corporate faction of the Republican party because they think the corporate faction who's paying for all these ads has their back when they don't care at all. They don't give a shit. Like that's not their, that's not, they just know that those voters are very easy to sort of engage right. and manipulate. Um, so they're genuinely one issue. And so as long as they just, if they touch that issue. Yeah, at all, totally. Yeah. If you see, if you see a school choice and you kind of, you kind of wink, they'll go, Oh, you mean Jesus. Okay, great. I got it. Thank you. I, I think Absolutely. that's, 
I think that totally underestimates how this is a changing dynamic right now. I think there's a huge pool of people who have not been attracted to the Republicans' previous Christian supremacy, to use your term, and who are now still up for grabs in both high-income suburbs and working-class communities. That's a good point. That's interesting. My only worry is that the religious aspect of it gets lost. Because, because I think Sean, you're exactly right that the the expansion of it and the language they're using now is so devoid of that part of it. And get used to like seeing it. Rachel really saying, in swing it's states. a wink Sorry. now. It's not. That's not yeah. the push now. Yeah. It's just the oh, by the way, but the, but the mother. The, here's the part of it we're not going to talk about is we also get to take all this tax money and we get to give it to that religious school over there where they get to. They get to teach creationism alongside evolution. Right. If they are competing intellectually. That's the gravy. Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. The point yeah. is to win and the money is the gravy. Yeah. yeah. But the, I mean, Betsy DeVos is is the is is the figure of is is the embodiment of what we're talking about, right? right. She's very wealthy. Um, I forget where her family made their 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 money from. Um, and she married money. So like not only was she wealthy anyway. But then she married somebody who was a cajillionaire and her whole life has been dedicated to eroding the boundaries between faith and public schools. So we are living in her backwash right now. Money, by the way. So that's right. Talk about thank you. (laughs) Talk about bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you sell wink. something that you're not actually selling? Yeah. Yeah. Very Amway. I'm curious to hear Sean. Um, Cause I don't want, I also like, I think there is, when I say like, I think there's a place for charter schools. I think there is a place for charter schools. There, there are sometimes places where you just need to need to aggressively and quickly um, provide facilities for children because that's po- populations move demographics change. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to be honest when I see that happening, when I, it happens, all it, it, charter schools are very well utilized in Los Angeles because LAUSD is, I think, the biggest school district in the country, or at least definitely one of them. New York City and, is. is okay. Uh, um, so LAUSD is very spread out and um, so diverse and just full of like desperately poor kids. And then super wealthy kids. And so the super wealthy kids get in early and they get to take advantage of these school lotteries because they have kind of a school choice program in LA too. And that leaves these, um, uh, you know, schools that are primarily in minority neighborhoods with primarily minority children, um, just at a complete deficit financially and from a resource perspective. And so if parents move into a neighborhood where there isn't a school close, by, they'll open a charter school and, Okay. But what that doesn't do is provide those services in the same way to the children that were already there, to the families who've been living there for a long time. Um, so it helps gentrifiers because then they don't have to send their kids to a religious school, but it doesn't provide resources to the kids that really need them. And that's what I always feel like it gets missed in the conversation. So again, I'm going to be really curious to hear what Senator Nasheed has to say about that, but I'm going to pass over to you, Sean, and I'm going to point out two things. One, uh, DeVos's money is from her father, who uh, was an automobile parts supplier. He made car parts for the American working man because that's who he is and that's who he cares about. Um, and <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, two, uh, she is noted to be influenced by Abraham, Abraham Kuyper. So look up Abraham Kuyper, folks who are listening, uh, because this is a person who is a 
core founder of the Christian democracy political ideology, just to underscore the, the, that part of it. So Sean, wrap us up on this issue. Sure. Yeah. So for people in cities and in rural areas where we have seen schools really let our kids down, school choice sounds great. And it could even be great for a lot of individual kids. And it could even be great systematically. But what's totally missing from the discussion when we were talking about it doesn't address at all what's happening in the classroom, even if charter schools have near-term increased results educationally, they would end up needing to be funded more over time to really address the larger community's need, not just the 112 kids who are lucky enough to go there. And then when we look at why our kids aren't doing so great, we do know why. We know that it's because their parents don't ever get a paid day off. We know that addiction is rampant in the country and wages are low in a lot of places. We know that kids can't really read very well or do math very well. And it's a lot of times because what's going on in their brain and what's going on at home and both together and this lack of investment in all levels of our communities. And so it doesn't really fix or even try to offer a fix to the results problem. Right. And so what we wind up with are dark money groups like the Show Me Institute or the Federation for Children. Uh, The Show Me Institute Board of Directors, we talked about them. They had that study that we broke down and how ridiculous their study was that they came out with about ranking schools. Board of Directors, President Rex Sequenfeld. Beavis Shock is on it. Jennifer Bukowski is on it. Greg Keller is on it. Kevin Short, John Lamping. These are, if you are into it's just, Missouri. It's just politics, a who's who of dark money sponges right. and right. contributors, like to the and same people. You get the Missouri, uh, the Federation for Children, which is a national organization that has a Missouri arm now. And they've just named their new director for Missouri. Anybody want to take a stab at who that is? Is it Betsy DeVos? <laughs> it's Gene Evans. Oh, wow. Gene Evans, former uh, executive director of the Republican Party uh, and big champion of school choice. Uh, so I mean, I mean, these, that, are the, these are the right to work people. Like for people right. that don't know who we're talking about, these are the same people that tried to get rid of unions in Missouri and tried to like sell right. it as right to work. That's a really good analogy, by the way, is that school choice is the new right to work. It they is the they new are right to work. absolutely right. after the same goals. That's right. It is after the exact same stuff. And then just to just to wrap this up with a bow, uh, Rachel dropped a question about uh, this News Tribune article about the lawsuit. About yeah, this the, lawsuit about the, the about yeah. the ballot initiative. That the ballot yes. initiative sounds good, and it sounds yes. like Ashcroft because he's an ass of epic proportions. <laughs> changed the wording on yes. the ballot itself to confuse voters. Is that what I'm getting? Did I get yeah. that right? So okay. essentially there is a ballot initiative that they're going to have to get all the signatures and it has to go through a process so that they have this official initiative petition that is approved, right? And so the wording on the initiative petition from uh, Secretary of State Ashcroft uh, was challenged in court and the 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 judge said, no, your, your language is insufficient, unfair, and argumentative. Uh, and essentially what has happened is after a decade of trying, uh, Rachel mentioned they passed a law last uh, session in Missouri that does create a program in Missouri. It's $25 million the first year uh, to provide for these tuition vouchers, this uh, this Missouri program, the most scholars program is what they're calling it. And essentially 
this petition is going to very much hamstring that and, and somewhat undo that. Um, and so that's what they're trying to so do. So it really is right to work the sequel at this point it's in Missouri. It's exactly right. It's exactly okay. what it is. So we'll pay attention to that. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a big part of 2022. There's a link to all of this stuff that we've talked about in the show notes. So people should check out these articles, check out the petition issue as well, because uh, it's going to be a big, big deal. And so. we should say, too, like we'd love to invite anybody on the show who's involved with the petition to just come on and like educate us a little bit because. Yeah, I, and, and I, mean, I don't. Anybody from either side, I, I want to talk about school choice. I want to talk about this issue, uh, and I want to. I want folks to understand it because it's complicated, um, and it needs to be understood because we're going to be voting on it. We're going to be voting on it, not just not just this initiative petition. It's who you're voting for and what you're voting on. It's going to be a huge part of what's happening in Missouri for the next couple of years. So we need to pay attention to it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this portion. We're going to move into the last call. Reminder, you're going to get a little little tasty, little tasty treat of the last call here. But the full thing's going to be on our Patreon. It's going to be for subscribers. So get over there and subscribe if you want to hear the whole thing. And we'll move into that in just a moment. Last call. All right, the last call. Coastal journalists do not get it. What is going on here in the heartland, in the Midwest, in the flyover country? Rachel Parker, you brought this up. Please kick us off why these people are talking about us, but they don't understand it. So I'm back on Twitter uh, because I, I won't go on Facebook. And you can't do independent media at this point in time without being on one of these platforms. So I'm back on Twitter. And um, again, I, I know I say Twitter isn't real, but if you're a professional journalist or you're an elected official, what you say is, I'm going to tell, it holds, it holds weight, right? You're There's not thousands just... thousands of people that are reading yeah, it. They're talking yeah. about it. They're sharing yes. it. It may not yes. be real, but it, so, it, it's out into the ether. So I see a lot of uh, well-meaning... Journalists in D.C., journalists in New York, we'll start there. We'll start there because those are the people that really cover politics. Say things about the Midwest all the time. Well, what voters in the Midwest really want? I'm like, what? Okay, but you don't have anybody uh, from the Midwest on your show. You don't understand how confusing it is to be here. All those things, right? This is kind of our whole, one of our whole raisons d'etre is that we are here. We are talking about the Midwest. Um, there's been a lot of conversation I saw about like, okay, it's the holidays, you're going to go home and you know, whatever, and you're going to see your family and you're going to, and I remember this happening right after Trump was elected and when Trump was elected, there were a lot of people who were like, don't let Trump ruin Thanksgiving. And I was like, how? I don't like, you don't know my family. You don't know how this is for me. I'm the only one that isn't a Republican on one side of my family. Like it's going to be really difficult. And so I felt very like, you guys don't get it. You don't know what it's like. This is the one that set me off um, this particular week. This is from uh, a journalist who writes for The Intercept, who I respect and like a lot as a writer. It's His name's Lee Fong. I pr- people have probably heard of him. This is what he tweeted on, um, I believe this was on Wednesday. The teenage adolescent urge to see family relationships as a battleground for politics should be avoided at all costs. The personal is absolutely not political. Family and friends do not have to agree on partisan or ideological bullshit to be close. Happy Thanksgiving. Jesus. Okay. Let's let first of all, sometimes the personal is the political dude. And 
Um, my whole life is a personal political. Paul Wellstone. <laughs> Heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. And I, I don't. If if you don't live in a and so I, re, I, I I responded. My response was like. The Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.